talking about transformation. We're living the transformed life according to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I want to start off by piggybacking on something that Pastor Wendy said uh, last week. And she talked about the cal- caterpillar. You all remember what she talked about the caterpillar? The caterpillar. The caterpillar. <laughs> Once he goes, yeah, say it fast three times. Once he goes into the cocoon and help me, Pastor Wendy, um, it digests itself. And if you, you open it up, and, and as much as we see this all the time, or we hear about it, we read about it, scientists are not able to actually open up the cocoon without killing. It's such a delicate process. But you know, and, and, and understanding what Pastor Wendy said, but the, the Lord took me just a little bit step, a little further on that. That is something very basic about the butterfly that we can apply to our lives. That once the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, first of all, the caterpillar, depending on the species, can have as many as 16 legs. 16 legs, I mean, and they're different species. But the caterpillar, cater, somebody say it for me. Thank you. Walks everywhere he goes. But once he becomes a butterfly, he flies everywhere he goes. So we as Christians need to realize we're like butterflies. The the butterfly doesn't, or the caterpillar doesn't pray and say, Oh Lord God, make me into something beautiful. Make me into something that all the world will love me and they will actually have establishments for me. And there are people who have farms and they actually cultivate butterflies. And I went to actually help build a butterfly sanctuary about this time last year. And it was an amazing process. You know, putting up shelters or homes or whatever you call it. So that the, the butterflies would migrate to that area. But the butterfly, the caterpillar understands that it has a purpose in life. It has a purpose in life. And its life's purpose is to become a caterpillar. In Isaiah 43, 21, God says that I have, and I'm paraphrasing, it says, I have created you as my people. I created you as my people to praise me. That's why we were created. Not to go about this earth and doing whatever we choose to do, but we were created in God's image to praise him. The butterfly doesn't sit here and say, oh, I've got these big bulky wings and they're so heavy. No, he takes those wings and he flies. He doesn't walk anymore. Y'all understand? The butterfly says, I'm not walking anywhere anymore. I've got power to fly. How many of you in here have the power to fly on today? In Christ Jesus, we understand our destiny is not to keep walking. And slowly, and slowly, I'll get there. I'll get there. And then you see everybody else, all your other friends are flying. I hope I get there one day. When we fall into our destiny, we will get to the place where we're supposed to be. And that place that we have to be right now, we want to talk about proclamation. Transformation, but now comes time for the proclamation. Now, what is proclamation? It is a clear declaration of something to demonstrate or to indicate, indicate, y'all help me, indicate clearly. To demonstrate or indicate clearly. Isn't the butterfly demonstrating or indicating clearly what it is? 
He's saying, I'm not a caterpillar anymore. <sighs> that's not who I am. That's who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore. I'm flying. I can go as high as I want. I can go as low as I want. When I want to sit and rest, I can rest. But that's not who I am. I'm demonstrating that I've got wings to get me where I need to be. So the butterfly is proclaiming its change. The butterfly, by changing and doing what he was designed to do, what it was designed to do, it proclaims its change. In John chapter 11, Jesus and... and Many of us know the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And when he got word, Jesus said, Lazarus is, is sick? Oh, yes. All right, well, I'm going to sit here another two days. What? No, Jesus, you need to come now. But Jesus waited two more days. And then finally word came, and they said, Jesus, don't bother. So Jesus said, no, I've got to go now. What? So in verse 38, Jesus arrives on the scene because as he's approaching, first Martha goes out and meets him. And she says, Jesus, had you been here, my brother would not have died. Had you been here, and, and maybe it was in a sense of if you would have been here, then you could have saved him while he was yet sick and restored him. Or maybe she meant it sarcastically. Jesus, you know something? If you weren't so busy taking care of everybody else, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't be dead now. And so she leaves, and then Mary goes out and meets Jesus. And finally, the professional mourners around Mary and Martha. And Jesus meets with them, and he says, he came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Jesus told them, take away the stone. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, not that you hear me, but because of the relationship of Jesus and the Father, Jesus always prayed. Jesus always prayed so he knows, Father, you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me. But I say this, what? For the benefit of the people standing here. I'm saying this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may what? Believe, Believe that they may that they may believe. He's saying this for the for the what? For the benefit of the people standing here. So that they may believe. He's saying it for the benefit. And I'm I want this to sink in with you. He's saying it for the benefit of the people who are here that they may believe. So my question is to you. Why are you here? Why are you here? And I'm not talking about Open Altar Worship Center here on Sunday morning, Virginia Beach, Virginia, the resort city. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, why are you here? Why are you in the body of Christ? Why are you in church? When you show up 
somewhere? Does the atmosphere change? When you speak words of wisdom and you don't have to go on your job and say, well, John 3.16 says this. Or Revelations in the seventh chapter says that. You don't have to say that. But when you speak words of wisdom, do people believe? Well, well let's go ask Sister Patricia. Because you know Patricia. She's not going to lie. We'll ask her. People have said that to you, haven't they? Let's go ask them because they don't lie. Well, you, you can answer this question, Brother Harry. You go to church, right? We live this life. We live to benefit the people around us. It's not just about us. The life that we live every single day has to be a proclamation. We have to go from that caterpillar, caterpillar state to the butterfly state. I'm not walking anymore. I used to walk where I needed to go. I used to walk. I used to crawl and have to take my time and pray that the birds and the other animals don't come and eat me. But now that I'm transformed, and the amazing thing about a butterfly, I read this a while back is, and it was even before Pastor Wendy had had made that statement last week, that the monarch butterfly makes a a transition or, or migration, should I say, over thousands of miles every year. But it doesn't live long enough to make the trip back. So how does it know to go back? Because it knows its destination. And we can't see every single step. But we need to know by the word of God where it is we're supposed to be going. Like, like we talked about the power of vision. The power of vision. And our vision along with it has to make a proclamation. Well, I, don't, I can't say that to them right now. Because suppose I say the Lord is going to do this and it doesn't happen. Declare. And, and, and that's a whole nother subject. Well, well, what happens if my prayer doesn't answer? Well, I promise you, when we pray in faith and we move in wisdom, God will tell us what to tell people. Because I, I, I've seen it happen. Well, we're praying for, your, for this person and that person dies. And, it, and it's a hard thing to accept. No one is going to live forever, not in this earthly body. So then why are we here? Why are we here? Are we here for ourselves? I'm not here just for myself. Because if I was here just for myself, then I'm good right where I am. I'm good right where I am. I was joking with Pastor Wendy last night. I've tried growing a beard before. And after three days, my face is itching so bad. And and other men tell you that you just got to get past the first so many days. I think it's five or six days. And they say, after that, you're okay. But yesterday I went and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, it's growing even and it doesn't itch. I want to keep this beard. But it's not about me. It's about Pastor Wendy. She will not hug me with facial hair on. I said, come here, give me a hug. And I got I got the old Heisman stiff, you know, (laughs) she wouldn't hug me. So why am I here? (laughs) Because the life that we live can't be just about us. We have to consider the things that we do and how they affect other people. We have to live a life that proclaims, I live for Jesus. 
And I'm talking to myself, and I've used this, this acronym before, and, I, and I'm going to do a little talking about things I've said in the past. For myself, what is sin? For myself, I ask this question, what is sin? So how do we spell sin? Hey, hold oh, oh, you're getting ahead of me. But I'll let you answer the question. What, how do we spell it? S-I-N. S-I-N. So what is sin then? Something negative and I am in the middle. For me, that's sin. It's something negative and I am in the middle. So what? Don't get deep on me, y'all, please. Don't get deep on me. If you had to, just off the top of your head, if you had to give sin a color, what color would it be? Black. Black. That was the response I was looking for. Give her a, give her a mint. Somebody give her a mint. <laughs> but is sin, is sin always black? No. Sin can be any color. Can I get that, that table over there, please? Sin can be any color. Sin can be pink. Can it? Because... I'm not listening to you right now. Thank you very much, sir. I'm not listening to you right now. Because I've been doing this long enough. And I've been at this job as long as anybody else. I know what I'm doing. So that pink steps in and that might be our pride. Or that person looks at you the wrong way. And you get red with envy. You feel down and out and you don't want to call on the name of Jesus. That, that name that's always working in your presence. So guess what? You feel what? Blue. You feel blue. So sin can be so many different colors. But now that I am a new creature in Christ Jesus, here I am and I've got something negative and I am in the middle. Y'all see that? You see the colors? I've got sin on this side and sin on that side. And when I would do good, what? Evil is always present. But if any man be in Christ, what is he? A new creature. So I'm a new creature. I'm going to make a little noise here. I hope y'all don't mind. So I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to give it all to you. Say, Lord, I'm going to give it all to you. I got saved, so I got to cut some things off my life. All right? So I'm going to cut something off my life. I'm saved. I'm free. Woo-hoo! And I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to clean this up, y'all. I know it's like, I don't get with him because he's going to want me to clean that. <laughs> so we cut something, and it's like we think we've really done something. We think we've really done something because, oh, so, oh, you can speak to me now. You can speak to me now, but, oh, wow. But have I really done anything? Okay, well, you know, I'm going to Bible study now, so I'm going to quit sleeping when I come over to your house at 6.30 to pick you up. Well, I got rid of some more of my sin, but guess what else I got rid of? Got rid of part of me. Because part of me is in this sin. And when we're not careful, the sin in our lives 
Our self is attached to that sin. If I can't be that person, then I'm nobody. Because I'm telling you, I'm going to cuss you out at least once a week. I'm a, I, I promise you, I'm going to cuss you out at least once a week. But if I don't cuss you out, then I'm nobody. People don't, people don't accept me if I don't come across all hard and mean. But there's, maybe there's more of me that I can get rid of. Okay, well, um, who do I need to get rid of? Oh, I see heads going down now. <laughs> Drinking. Drinking, okay. See, she hit a sore spot there. So I cut even more of me off. And guess what? The sin is going away. But then there's also less of me. Isn't it? There's less of me. So, Lord, I'm going to make a drastic change here. And I'm going to cut off a big part of me. And I'm starting to get closer to God. I'm starting to get closer to God. But guess what? There's still what on either side. There's still sin, and I'm still stuck in the middle. This is a proclamation that we have to continue to go through until finally we say, Lord, no matter what it takes. I'm going to let it all go. I'm going to let it all go. And now it's just. Ain't no S-I-N, it's just I. And I turns into, Lord, me and you. I cut it all off. I let it all go. And guess what? There's a mess, but I ain't got to clean it up. Somebody's going to get that. (laughs) Jesus paid the price to clean this mess up. Jesus paid the price to clean up all of my mess. Everything about me that I'm ashamed of. Everything I didn't want to let go. Because everything that I had here, when I look at it, I let a part of me go. I let a part of me go. But the Bible tells us that we build a foundation. We build a foundation. And some of it is silver, gold, precious stone, wood, hay and stubble. Wood, hay and stubble is going to burn up. But what we want left is the I, the good part. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank y'all. So, I'm not done yet. You move quick. (laughs) I still got another hour, don't I? (laughs) And let me just take a moment to go back to something I said before, but suppose I'm I'm looking and, and I don't see where Something I'm doing. Somebody says, well, you shouldn't do that anymore. anymore. Good. I didn't know I was doing it. But he just told me I shouldn't do that anymore. Thank you. (laughs) I feel quickening. But I can't find that in the Bible. This is my rule of thumb. Just like I said, this is, this is my definition of sin. Something negative and I'm in the middle. Something negative, I'm in the middle. It's like I can't find that in the Bible. Three simple rules if you want to know if it's sin. Rule number one, is it against the law? 
Now, I've gotten my last speeding ticket. Because I know, and I, the last one I got, I had to hire a lawyer. <laughs> and it was, an, it was honestly an accident. I did not realize I was going as... I didn't really, honestly, some people that like, hey, I'm driving, I'm going to drive 80 in a, in a 55, and they don't care. I honestly did not know I was driving that fast. But I broke the law. I broke the law. So if it's wrong in man's eyes, I promise you, it's wrong in God's eyes. So if you're saying, I can't, well, I can't find that in the Bible. If it's, if it's against the law, then I promise you, God's against it too. Second, number two, would you let your children do it? I can't find that in the Bible. Okay, you can't find it in the Bible, but would you let your children do it? And then finally, would you do it in front of your mother? <laughs> Baby, don't you think it's time for your friend to go home? <laughs> Mama, we in here studying. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, I used to study too. <laughs> That's how you came. <laughs> Me and your daddy studied all night long. <laughs> Anyhow, but 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 there was, and we we did a work, we did a a session with some with some young adults uh, a while back, and they we talked about gray areas, about the areas in the about our lives that are not explicitly written in the Bible in that plain English that says. Do not do this. Do not do it. You're not going to find in the Bible where it says do not shoplift. You know, even even coming to church this morning, I was getting ready to get on the interstate, and the interstate was clear. And this person, I put my signal on, and they wouldn't let me come over. I had to wait until they passed me. But isn't that like an act of kindness that we can show towards people? You know, common courtesy says move over. And you're not going to find things like that in the Bible. But ask yourself these questions. If you can't find it, you know, until you do, until you can ask somebody, ask yourself these three questions. So moving forward, so I can close so Brother Taiwo can start playing. All right, number one. In our proclamation, in saying that I am a child of God, we have to have a start point. We have to have a start point. We are in a place of realization And know that God has done something in your life, nothing like anything you'll ever experience. For the mothers in here, when you have a baby, that is the most precious baby in the world. Ain't nobody had a baby as cute as mine. When you get your your diploma from high school and you walk across that stage, it's like the most, I mean, it's like the best day in the world. When you get your driver's license and you can finally get behind the wheel and you're waving at people and you're all over the road. I got my license. I got. It's a great day for you. But the greatest day in your life is the, the day you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I've done it and I've tried it and it failed. It didn't work. It didn't work. And maybe everything in your life has succeeded. But you don't know when you leave this earth where you're going. There are many rich people in this world. So many rich people in this world that don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. 
So the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. How many of you are in, in school right now? High school? College? Stay in school. The Bible's not telling you, well, you're saved now, drop out of school. That's not what the Bible's saying. If you're in a job, keep working your job. If you're married, stay married. Whatever it is you're doing, but before you do what you do, again, pray. Ask God. Set your mind on things that are in heaven and not just things on the earth. How many of you have a bucket list? Anybody got a bucket list? All right. We got our bucket list, and, and I hope that I can get around to mine. But in the process, I'm going to set my mind on things above and not on things of the earth. I am not, at my age, trying to be the richest man in the world. I am not about to pursue a career in acting or singing or a musician. We have to put things in perspective and move forward. Number two. What about our daily walk? Our daily walk. This isn't something that you do only Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. It isn't something, oh, I want to do this part-time like I used to drive Uber. This is a 24-7 walk. How many of us, before we even pull the covers back, we hit the alarm, yes, but before we even pull the covers back, we say, Lord, thank you. Before we pull the covers back, just say, Lord, you don't have to go into a deep prayer. How many of us actually do that? It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. And maybe some move into, well, I got to have my coffee first. Or maybe I need to go use the bathroom first. But do we really make God first at the beginning of the day? And you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a corporate CEO. You just have to be you. You have to be you. And the Bible tells us, since then, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. This is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. In chapter 11 of Hebrews is what we commonly call the faith chapter. And it mentions all the great men and women of God who have gone forth and believed God that he would deliver them. But it's saying, verse 1 of chapter 12, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. It may not be sin as we think sin is. But do I really have any business taking a female co-worker out to lunch every day or once a week? Does that really, is that really sin, sin? I mean, we're talking about business, no, but the Bible tells us don't let your good be evil spoken of. And someone may even interpret that, oh, he's having an affair. What's wrong with me having an affair? And I'm not doing anything, I'm not saying anything appropriate. Everything is business related, but it's the perception. And what does that say about me and my proclamation? You a man of God, not, not even a pastor, but you a man of God? Why are you having lunch with this woman on a regular basis? Hmm. It's a sin that can entangle me because eventually it can lead to that. Amen. 
And let us run, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Run the race with perseverance to stay in there. It's going to get hard. It's going to get tough. Friends are not going to like you anymore. Friends are not going to like you anymore because you go to church. You're one of those Jesus people. You all sanctify. What you doing wearing makeup? You all sanctify. Because I look good with makeup. That's why I'm wearing it. But people are going to walk away from you because you now walk this walk. So you have to persevere. And you have to make your proclamation. And then finally, there is a goal to gain. There is a goal. Where, where are we trying to get to? When I asked earlier, so why are you here? Why are you here? The Bible says, and Jesus said um, in Mark chapter 16, and these signs will accompany those that believe. In my name, you will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. There is a group of people who have taken that literally and they actually have snakes in church. Any of you seen those? They actually go to people and they look for snakes and believe that this is something they're supposed to do intentionally pick up snakes. No. Don't pick up snakes and, and thinking that Jesus is telling you to do it. If that's your job where you go in people's house and get critters out, fine. But that's not what he's talking about. And when they drink deadly drink, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. And this is a process. Not everyone is there yet. I'm not there yet. But many of us in this room have laid hands on people. We pray for other people and they have recovered. And this is part of our proclamation. This is part of our proclamation. People need to look at us. And know that there's something about you. Even if they've only met you for the first time. There should be something about you. You don't have to. Again you don't have to come off of all types of scriptures. But they should see something in us. We can't simply live a life that says. Oh I go to church on Sunday. Or I'm praying for you. It takes more than that. There has to be visual. As well as verbal proclamation in our lives visual that when people see us and I'm not talking about what you're dressed in but when they see how you interact with other people how come he don't they supposed to be saved how come they don't never speak to people how come they always keep to themselves how come they don't never have nothing good to say but also what's coming out of our mouths and I, I know I got to work on that I know I have to work on that. But we must be transformed to a high level that everything in us proclaims that Jesus is Lord. Amen.